church. I'm a local church guy. I love the local church. You're going to hear a lot about that all week long. And Loomis Park Baptist Church has a big part of the Great Commission. I know a couple of things about the church. Number one, it's supposed to glorify God. Right. Number two, it is ordained to reach the world. So that's what the mission conference is all about. Yeah. I'm going to do my best to encourage you. Um, how, many, how many know what a youper is? Raise your hand. All right. So you obviously know who live. That's above the bridge. It's people that live in the Upper Peninsula for those that did not raise their hand. I was born and bred up there. I tell people all the time, uh, I'm a youper by birth and I'm a youper by doctrine. That's exactly, exactly who I am. And when you live up there, we kind of, I, I got to tell you, only 3% of Michigan lives in the Upper Peninsula. And, and we've got that little man's attitude up there where we look down on everybody from below the bridge. Everybody that lives in Detroit. We're in Detroit, aren't we? You, you get just below the bridge and yeah, it's all the same. It's just one big sprawling city. Everywhere you look, it's people. I, I, I really, I feel a little bit nervous because there's, there's people in every direction. Uh, 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 so I, I got to finish that thought. So you know who lives below the bridge, right? The trolls, you know that, right? The trolls. So there's the youpers and, and the trolls. I tell people all the time when I travel, I'm from the UP. That's where men are men and so are the women. And a little bit of truth in that. There's a couple of men here that um, uh, we got Brother Kim Myring. He's actually a Canadian, but he's out of our church and starting a church over in uh, southwest Michigan. I'm thinking uh, um, um, Holland. No, what, what's the name of the town? Grand Haven, that's right, yeah. And then Mike Bailey's, uh, you know, he's, he was here Sunday. He's from our church up our way. By the way, his wife is looking for him. He's been gone for several days now. She thought you were getting home tonight to watch a ball game, but, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll have to straighten that out a little bit later on. Let's start out right. Now, it's Monday, and it usually takes, when you have an evangelist come, when you have a, even a missionary come, or, or, or if it's a week of meetings of any kind, if you're preaching at a Bible camp, it's all the same. It takes a couple of days to warm up to people. It takes a couple of days before you understand the humor of the man that's in the pulpit and where he's coming from, and you're able to read between the lines. And we all have walls we build. You know, we're, we're a little bit defensive. We're a little bit afraid. And that's our culture, the culture that we're living in. But let's make it an agreement. It's Monday night. We don't have a lot of time together. And I have a lot of Bible messages I want to preach. And this tonight's just going to be a little introduction is what it's going to be. And I promise I'll get you out in good time every night. I'll try not to preach long. I, I, I make that effort every time. I'm actually used to preaching on the radio, so they're usually about 30 minutes. It just kind of happens that way now. Been that way for years. And so we'll get out in good time. But let's just climb way out on the limb tonight. And let's pretend that you like me and I like you. All right. Let's pretend that there are no real barriers and you trust the guy that's in the pulpit because he's a Bible preacher. And I know there's everything in the sun out there, but I, I, I promise you, I am a New Testament, local church, Bible fundamentalist. I, I promise you that. In fact, let me tell you who I am. We'll get started with this. I am a Bible fundamentalist. I drink my coffee black. Nothing flavored. None of that hazelnut stuff. It's because I'm a Bible fundamentalist. I'll tell you something else. I cut my own hair. Bet you can't tell that, can you? I wouldn't go to a salon. They'd have to drag my dead body in there. If I went somewhere, it'd be to a barber shop. But I cut my own hair. You know why that is? 
because I am a Bible fundamentalist. John Wayne is my hero. That's because I'm a Bible fundamentalist. I'll tell you something else. I'm way behind the curve. I hate cell phones with a purple passion. I got one. I got one. And this winter, I learned how to text. Maybe it was last winter. One year runs into the next. Mike, was it this winter, last winter? Do you know? It was this winter. All right. I le- he, see, he, he would know because I text. You know, I learned how to text. I, to me, the cell phone is a tether. It is. And I'll let you in a little secret for those that, and, and, and you know, they, they all preach my Bible's on my phone. I understand that that is a convenience, but carry your Bible to church. That's a testimony. You carry your Bible to church. But I see them in the congregation as much as I hate it. They're looking down while I'm preaching. And I see the little blue glow. And unfortunately, sometimes, I don't know if they're checking the scores on ESPN or listening to the, or, you know, listening to the sermon. There is, an, there is an instrument you can get that our sound man just made me aware of this winter. It costs about 300 bucks. You can put it in the pulpit, and it kills the signal for everything within 300 feet. <laughs> and I'm going to get one of those, and you better not tell our people that I have one. Because they'll be wondering, what is going on? I'm a Bible fundamentalist. I hate cell phones. I'll tell you one more thing. I love old-fashioned, rock-ribbed, snot running from your nose, medicine taste in your mouth after the big hit, American football. And I still believe that soccer is part of the communist infiltration of America. I'm a Bible fundamentalist. Turn to the book of Philippians, book of Philippians. I do love football. I coached high school football for 20 years. I got a son that's been coaching for 12 years now, I believe it is. And both my boys, both of them are all state football players. I I love the game. You know, teach you to be rugged. Teach you how to bleed a little bit. At a board meeting at the Bible college where I'm a board member, I said, hey, we we ought to require every single preacher boy to play at least one year of football. I don't care if they're 99 pounds and they get out there and they're a tackling dummy at practice. It'll toughen them up just a little bit. And we did a little bit more of that in the ministry as well. Uh, There's so many snowflakes. I'm off on a tangent. Let's go to Philippians in chapter 4. Philippians and and chapter 4. Church at Philippi, the city of Philippi, was a Roman colony. Octavius was the conqueror, and actually that city became known as Little Rome. It was founded hundreds of years earlier by Philip, the father of Alexander the Great. Fulfilling the Great Commission, the Apostle Paul went to the city of Philippi, and there he was imprisoned. You remember the story, Acts in chapter 16. Lydia, uh, a business lady from Thyatira, a seller of purple, got saved, got baptized. Her household heard the gospel. They were some of the first members of the church at Philippi. Paul is preaching. If I remember right, cast a, a demon out of a girl and it was thrown into prison. There in the prison, the Philippian jailer also becomes a member of that local church there in Philippi. Here's the gospel. Follows the Lord in the waters of baptism. Takes Paul and takes him to his house, and Paul preaches the gospel to everyone in the household. Many of them get saved and get baptized. In that early church at Philippi, there were criminals right from the jailhouse 
or gotten born again. I know a lot of them probably, I'm, I'm confident they got baptized afterwards, many of them. Genuine salvation, convicts and criminals. Kind of a strange start for a New Testament local church. Kind of sounds like a Baptist church now that I think about it. God bless the church at Philippi. As a matter of fact, right in chapter 1 and verse 5, why don't you turn back there very quickly. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Let me go to verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. This was a mission-minded church right from the get-go. God blesses, I know you know this, the mission-minded church. Tonight's message is just, just meant to be a, a shot in the arm, just a, a kick in the seat of the pants, just a, an encouragement, just a, the, the proverbial, let's get it done for the glory of God to a New Testament local church. That New Testament local church being Loomis Park Baptist Church. You've got the whole world in front of you. Almost seven billion people. Three and a half billion. Totally unreached. I've heard all the statistics and they vary from person to person. 320 million people in the United States of America. 200 million totally unreached. Do you know that in Michigan, only 26% of the population of Michigan even goes to church, any kind of church. 26%. We have become a heathen nation. Missiologists tell us that the United States is now the third largest mission field in the world. Think about that. Think of all the nations of the world. Here we are in the 21st century. Yeah, we have become what Great Britain, we followed them. They fumbled the ball. We picked up the ball. We carried the gospel, great missionary movement. We carried on where Great Britain left off, where they fumbled the ball, sent out all kinds of missionaries, planted all kinds of New Testament local churches, and, and now, and now, now we're, we're right where great, great Britain was just a, just a few years ago. We're following in line right, right behind them. We've lost our universities. They are cesspools of, of liberalism. We have, we have lost the media. We have lost our culture. Our only hope in America is the New Testament local church. But here's the sad part. Many New Testament local churches are no longer local churches. They're country clubs. They're gatherings. But the Great Commission isn't there. The, the altar call isn't given. They're not, they're not singing the great songs of the faith any longer. And I know that cultures change just a little bit, but we need to be an old-fashioned, old-time religion kind of people. And, and, and I heard it said best like this. Not old-fashioned like 50 years ago. Old-fashioned like 2,000 years ago. Being nostalgic and just living in the past, that's not what it's about. It's getting back to the, it's returning to God. It's getting back to the place we need to be as a people of God. I'm going to say a little bit on Friday night about the statewide revival effort that is being started. This thing's picking up great momentum. I think it's our last great gasp. Yeah. 
here in Michigan. I'm burdened for Michigan. I happen to be from the UP, and I'm just, just greatly burdened for the Upper Peninsula. The UP, although it's known small churches, has never known a church that really carried the water for God. For 36 years, I'm praying that God, would you make Fundamental Baptist Church that kind of church? God, would you help us in this rural community? It's, it, the UP is known as the, the, the Dark Peninsula. There's books with that title, The Dark Peninsula. Man, if we could just get Jesus up there. If we could just bring the gospel to every corner and every nook and every cranny. And then I come down here to Jackson County. Oh, my goodness. There's traffic on the road with me. Whoa, watch out. There's a car right there passing me on the right. And Wow, you know, you talk about a country boy, that, that is me. And, and I'm, I'm just, a, I, I've got a beautiful hotel you put me up in. Man, a beautiful carpet on the floor. I got to tell you the truth, though, is that when I was coming, I locked myself out of my room once already. I should, but the, you know, the deal is, I, I know some of these things, and I, they're not brand new to me at all, but I'm getting stupider as I get older. That's, that's the truth. I get in the elevator. I'm going to bring my cart back down. I want to be polite because I want to witness to anybody, be a testimony to anybody I can. So I bring my cart back in. Those things never do steer right. I don't know if you stayed. And it's a real tiny elevator, and I got in it. I got in it, and I must have hit the button twice before I got in. I'm on the second floor. So doors closed. That's good. Doors open back up. I get out. I bring the cart out. I look. I'm still on the second floor. I'm that country boy. That's me. And God, if God can use Tim Raider... God can use anybody. Pastor Rich, you know what? Just give what you got to God. I got a feeling that that's the way you are. I got a feeling also that he probably drinks a lot of coffee, do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah fundamentalist, and he's wired. Chapter 4, let's get there. Chapter 4, let's get right to the book. Uh, let me do my best to encourage you here this evening. I, I, I just want to basically preach chapter 4, a good portion of chapter 4, and trust that It'll ring true. Faith Promise Missions is big. You need to be praying about what you can do. And if everybody got involved in Faith Promise Missions, man, there'd be meat in the storehouse, wouldn't there? If, if it was 100% participation, well, you can't take care of your neighbor, but you can take care of your own household. Everybody be involved. We're a little church up there, and I would venture to say, I have no idea, and we won't even talk about this kind of thing, but I'll bet your budget is as big as our budget, even with all the people we have. There's not a lot of money in the Upper Peninsula. There's some. We don't have any millionaires in our church. I think we got some thousandaires, and I know we got some hundredaires, and, you know, but, but God blesses a giving people. Amen. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. You know, we support nearly 70 missionaries. In the last, since the year 2000, I just kind of threw these figures together in my head. Uh, yesterday, I looked at the books, and, um, you know, it sounds like a lot. It's just one little country church doing what they can do. Uh, we've given $1.4 million to missionaries in that, in that amount of time. God has given us, we're, we have five buildings. Uh, Baptist Pioneer Mission is on our grounds. Kim is the executive director there. My brother is the, the president there. That's not his title. What is his title again, Kim? Executive general. General, executive, executive. He is not the general. I am, all right? <laughs> we got Canaan Land Bible Camp. We got radio broadcast. We're coast to coast in the UP. <laughs> we're in a few, we're in one station below the bridge. Uh, but, but you know, you know what? It's God 
looking for a people that will just be a conduit. God does never promise, he never promises he's going to make you rich. But if you could just take on the mindset, and I know some of you already have, let me encourage you to do more. If you could take on the mindset of the church at Philippi, there is a great promise, and you're familiar with it, and we're going to get to it. It's down in verse 19. It's bigger than life. And we'll probably end the message right there. It's a, it's a tremendous promise to every New Testament local church that is mission-minded, to every man, woman, and child that understands what it is to be mission-minded. Oh, hey, wait a minute. I'm not just talking about dollars and cents. There's other ways to give as well. Man, prayer warriors, you can travel the world with your prayers. You can travel the world with your mission money. Verse 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown. That's how it's supposed to be in the family of God. Nothing could separate us. Nothing could pry us apart. We've got grandmas in our church and, and, and grandpas in our church that their grandchildren are the greatest little things on earth. No matter who they are, no matter how snotty their nose is, no matter how they smell, they're the greatest little, little kids on earth. Better than anybody else's grandkids. There's something about a family. You get it, blood's thicker than water. Man, you just cannot pry them apart. That's the way it's supposed to be in the family of God. Now here's, and you ought to love one another just that way. Kindred spirits. Oh, here's the deal. I've never been here before. I've been by your church a few times. I preached on a Brother White's two revivals, I think. Yeah. So I've been by, and, I, and each time I drove by the church, I said, man, that's a nice looking building, nice looking facility. Then I found out Brother Tim Leonard came here, and then I met you, and then, you know, and so, so here I am. I've never been here before, but there is a bond in Christ Jesus. There is a, there is a kindred spirit. The glue that holds us together is our Lord Jesus Christ, is God the Holy Spirit. Let's be like the church at Philippi. But look what it says in verse 2. I beseech thee, I beg you, Yodius, and beseech thee, Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. In other words, here were two sisters in the Lord that were at odds with one another. Church of Philippi is a great church. You know what I see here in verse 2? The church at Philippi was not a perfect church. Fundamental Baptist Church is not a perfect... I could, I could tell you things that you would think, wow, what a church. And it is a church that belongs to God. And what a church, but it's not perfect. We have problems. Don't start thinking the grass is greener on the other side. You got other churches around you, some of them are good churches. Somebody's got to plug in right here at Loomis Park Baptist Church and stay the test of time. Live through the fires and the floods. For the glory of God. I just told our people Sunday morning. 36 years I've been there. We're an evangelistic church. We, a lady got saved last Sunday morning. This Sunday morning. She's going to get baptized this next Sunday. Her whole family came. Uh, some of them were saved. Some of them weren't saved. Every, it's almost every week we see people get born again. Whether it's through whatever ministry we have going on in the church, we see people born again. I told our people, do you understand? Wouldn't it be great? And there's a whole lot of use to come to Fundamental Baptist Churches people in Chippewa County. A whole bunch of them. They didn't all leave for the contemporary church. Some of them just get carnal and, and other ways and fall, fall, fall by the wayside. But they got saved. Those that were genuinely born again, they got saved. And I, and I told our people, do you realize we're going to get to heaven and there's going to be a whole sea of souls there, people that were saved through the ministry 
of Fundamental Baptist Church. I know the same can be said about Loomis Park. Maybe they're not even all here anymore. Some of them are already in heaven. It's going to be a great reunion one day. There's going to be some shouting. The church of Philippi was not a perfect church. Don't go chasing rainbows. Ah, I'll tell you something. You may not know this. For real. There's no pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. For real. I figured that out when I was in elementary school. I chased one one time, me and my brother Bud, missionary down in Bolivia now, money-grubbing missionary, you know. And, and we chased, we went back to the back 40, and no, no pot of gold there, man. And, and, and the grass may look like, it might look like it's better over there, get plugged in. Because I'll tell you, that church isn't perfect either. Neither is that one, neither is that one, neither is that one back there, neither is this one. You know what? The pastors aren't perfect. You know why Fundamental Baptist Church isn't perfect? We got men there. We got women there. We got teenagers there. Little boys and little girls. You know, the fact is, we have sinners there. We're all a broken people. Hence the church. So here's the church at Philippi, far, far from perfect. It says in verse 3, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, unnamed man, unnamed fellow servant, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. By the way, I'm not going to plan here. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're born again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And it's an imperative here. It's a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation, your gentleness... Be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. He's given a little kick in the pants of the church of Philippi. Paul who was in prison, Paul who was in chains, Paul who was the one that planted that New Testament church is writing, it's a prison epistle, he's writing from a prison cell. He said, some people are ashamed of my chains. I thank God that you, you are with me in this ministry and many of the household of, of Caesar They've gotten born again. Some of the Praetorian guards, they've gotten born again because he's taken the gospel with him, the light of the gospel, everywhere he goes. And he's writing back to the church at Philippi that has been his co-laborer in the faith. You might look at it this way, Paul being the missionary, and they supported him with at least two offerings, love offerings, maybe a third one as you read the scriptures. And then right from the beginning, they were with the apostle Paul. He said, now listen, there's a division right there in the church right now. There are two ladies not getting along. That's where the rubber meets the road. He said, I beg you, for the cause of the gospel, get it right. Yes. Quit being cynical. Yes. Quit being hard-hearted. Understand how good God is and what he's done for you, and get it right. Amen. And he said, he said to his yoke fellow, his, his fellow laborer, you help them. You help them along with others. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men, because Jesus is coming. Then he says, be careful for nothing, don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Be prayer warriors. The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you long for that peace? How long has it been since you went to bed at night knowing everything is fine between you and heaven? Everything is clean. Everything is right. We had an all-night prayer meeting last Wednesday night concerning the statewide revival. I confess, I'm not a great prayer. 
I'm going to be as open with you as I am with our, my people at home. I try. I struggle. I have a prayer closet. I do pray every single day. But I'm just, I got a little bit of ADD or something, you know. And, and anytime I've been involved in an all-night prayer meeting, it has been a struggle. I mean a struggle. I'll, I'll wake up at the altar. But the reason I fell asleep is the guy next to me, that deacon next to me, he was breathing so deep, I think he had dozed off before me. And we, we wake up, you know. And all night is a long time. But I, but, but I want to encourage you. I want to, I want to tell you, Last Wednesday night, there were just two of us that made it all night. But it wasn't a labor. <clears throat> Strangest thing. I am not a night owl. Man, I, my eyes start rolling back about 9, 9.30 at night. You know, I'm, but we had no problem. The time passed so fast. The peace of God. I looked at Brother Babcock when we were done. I said, you know I feel like I've taken a bath. He said, so do I. How long is it since you've had that peace of God? How about praying about things? Be careful for nothing. Verse 8, let me read this fast because I want to move on. Finally, brethren, what's, and he lists eight virtues, eight qualities. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, four words, think on these things. Verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, takes leadership, and the God of peace shall be with you. I want to encourage you, Pastor Rich, you're the leader here. Everybody is going to follow your spiritual example. If you choose to let up in an area, you'll take 10, 20 people with you. I got to be reminded, I'm preaching to myself as well. They'll never be any closer to God than what you are. You'll eventually lead them away from God if you get cold and cynical. And I'm encouraging you because it's everywhere. Man, it is everywhere. These are the last days that Paul warned of. These are those dangerous days that Paul warned of. This is the age of the Laodicean church. We need to strive to be the Philadelphia church for the glory of God. Go back to the church of Philippi here again. Verse 10, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care for me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. So it's a mission-minded church taking care of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound, uh, uh, and how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am in, instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. It's not about getting rich. It's not about getting more things. It's about just serving God. Just being a servant of God. We watched the film Sheffy. Hadn't seen it in 25 years. How many saw Sheffy? Years ago. We had a, a grown-up getaway. We had wings and fries. This tells you how out of touch I am. I wanted to have lasagna. My, my son, who's the youth pastor, says, Dad, you're not going to get people to come out for lasagna. You'll just get all the old people. You've got to have wings and fries. It worked. It worked, all right? And we showed the film Sheffy. Do you remember that part in the film where that Scotchman introduced himself and wanted to know who he was, who Sheffy was, Robert Sheffy was? And he took a deep breath and stuck out his hand and said, I'm Robert Sheffy, a servant of God. 
That's the climax of the film as far as I'm concerned. To be a servant. No title. Just to love God again. Just to love him with an unfeigned faith. Pure. Not messed up. Just love God. Hey, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord thy God. What's the second? It's like unto it. To love your neighbor. You love God the way you're supposed to, then you'll love your neighbor the way you're supposed to. And then you'll love God even more, and it, it, it's, it, it's a great cycle to get into again. Fall in love with God. Fall head over heels in love with God again. i got to get to the crutch, to the very, very climax of the message. He said, it doesn't matter what I have. I'm going to serve God. I've, I'm learning contentment. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What a promise. What a promise. This is a promise to the mission-minded man. This is a promise to the mission-minded woman or young person or the mission-minded church. Whatever the need is, God is going to provide. I promise you. Let's read on. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Thank you. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. I don't think ye had 100% support. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. All God requires of us is faithfulness. I can do that. I don't have to make a certain amount of money to have a certain kind of automobile. Just be faithful. I could do that as a high school kid. Just be faithful. And there's a great promise here. And I do want to say this before I read verse 19. God is looking for mission-minded people. He's not broke. There's never been a, a run on the bank of heaven. The silver is his. The gold is his. The cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. He doesn't need the U.S. dollar. And he doesn't need your measly little bit of money that you're hoarding. He's just looking for people to bless. And if we'll decide to be a conduit, God will bless. Look at verse 19. It's a bigger than life promise. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I don't understand the stock market. I don't understand compound interest and simple interest. I don't care about numbers. But I have a God that is rich. I don't understand electricity. I don't want to understand electricity. I have no desire to learn about electricity. I don't know how that light gets there. But I know it comes to a transformer somewhere and then it comes from the universe somewhere out there. And here's what I know. I know that in my home or in our church, I know where the light switch is. 
Even though I don't understand electricity, I'm not going to stand around in the dark. I'm going to walk over to the light switch, and I'm going to flip it up, and voila, the lights come on. And I don't spend any time worrying about that. There's a lot of things in this world I don't understand. But I know the Bible. And I have a great God that I worship. And he has always met the needs of Fundamental Baptist Church. I'll testify for just a moment. We don't have a lot of money in the bank. Almost 600, 600,000, is that what it is, Kim? Goes through BPM every year, four missionaries, something like that. Half a million goes through Fundamental Baptist Church. We've got a Christian school. They exist in far less than that. We've got a camp. It runs in the black every year. I'm a pastor. I'm human. I worry about the offerings from time to time, but I try not to. But here's what I'll testify. We have never, never missed a paycheck to one of our teachers. Never missed a paycheck to one of our pastors. Never had an unpaid bill. Never. And you know what? We just keep on going. Now, my secretary, she's getting old, and she's losing her hair before her time. She worries. The treasurer, he worries. That's their job. That's what they got to do. I'm the pastor. I'm just going to go on, and we got another building project going on right now. And I guarantee you, they are worried. Now, i got a lot of people in the church. I, I got them convinced they are not worried. We, we, we live under the spot where the glory comes out. You know, we, we know that it's God that takes care of us. And he always will. He always will. Let me give you a personal testimony. My God shall supply all your needs. All of them. 1981, I went to Fundamental Baptist Church. There were 25 people. That's preaching evangelistically. There were three old men, all unemployed, well, I take it back, one retired, two unemployed. There's 40%, 42% unemployment in Chippewa County in 1981. Um, there were five old ladies. Two of them were related to me as great aunts, and I didn't, didn't really know them. They all had white hair, and they all looked alike to me. <laughs> and a whole bunch of little kids. And we had 70 folding chairs. And God began to bless. God challenged me personally to tithe more than 20% after I was there a couple of years. Not making much money, God. But for years, ever since that time, I give, my wife and I give, 23% of our income goes right into the offering plate, not including Faith Promise Missions. My retirement, I lost it when everything kind of crashed and the, uh, going into the 21st century, it was all gone. I told you I don't understand the stock market. I still wonder if that guy cheated me or not, but it's gone. Yeah. This year, we got a chunk of money from a completely unexpected place. Completely unexpected. My wife Debbie and I sat down. Now, I'm not a bean counter, but I just, I, I had a feeling and if you were to add up all the tithes that I ever gave to God, we got more than that back this year. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm shocked. 
Even for me to share that with you right now, because I, I, six months ago, I'd have, tell you, I'd have had to tell you, I got about $14,000 worth of silver to retire on. Guess I'm not going to retire. And I don't plan on retiring. I just pray I don't lose my mind somewhere along the line. They retire me. But, you know, and I'm pretty safe at Fundamental Baptist Church. Got two assistant pastors. One grew up in the church, and he is as loyal as an old hound dog. I'm telling you, he is, he's uh, about 15 years younger than me. He can dig a ditch, and he does. He can preach a funeral, and he does. He has no ambition to be the senior pastor at Fundamental. He is the ideal assistant pastor, and I hide his name from everybody, all right? And the other, the other guy is my son. He's our youth pastor, and he's been with us, I think, 14 years now. He's no longer the young man he once was. And if he ever turned on me, his mom would kill him. Yeah. So I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly comfortable being down here this week. Those guys are running the show, and I thank God. I thank God for them. And I have no idea why I just started to share that just now. So let's go back to the text here, verse, verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God has obligated himself in the day and age in which we live to bless the mission-minded church. I don't think you've got a license to sin because of that. You don't. God will strike you down. He'll chastise you. He will, he will correct you because he, because he loves you. But God is looking for Philadelphia churches that he can bless. Churches that he will, he will pronounce, you are the church of the open door. And I have a key, and no man's going to be able to close that door. You just stay by the stuff, and I will bless you no matter what the checking account says. Step out and take on more missionaries to the glory of God. We took on two more missionaries since January. I got another one lined up, man. I'm we're we're, we're on a roll right now, and I, I I just know, and I know how it works. I've been at it 36 years. I'm not one of the old guys telling the young guys. I can't believe that either. I'm one of the old guys telling the young guys the Bible still works. God's way is still the best way. Amen. You can massage the Bible if you want. You can manipulate, try to manipulate and outsmart God if you want. And you can try to run the church like a business, like an accountant runs, runs a business, but that's not how it's supposed to be done. Let's just be simple. Let's just have a shepherd. And let's honor God who entrusted the local church with under-shepherds. Oh, so much I want to say. I'll say one more thing. I'll share a story with you because this is a night of encouragement. In 1982, second year at the church, one full year under my belt. My hometown is 10 miles away from where the original church was. And, and, and so here I am in, in, in Rudyard, not yet in Kinross, just another little burg nearby. It's where the public school is, and, 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 and we don't have any money. I told you, a number of people we had. Now, we were filling up the chairs by now. It was close to, um, close to 70 people. I remember thinking this is what it's like to pastor a big church because all the problems. Oh, my goodness. People would come to me afterwards and ask me question after question, and my head would just be spinning. You know? I could never have handled a big church back then. I never could have. God knew what he was doing. And I grew right along with the church. We had no money. It's the UP. It's cold. By the way, we still have snowbanks up there right now. That's the land of the north. You think you're in the north? Oh, no, no, no. And, and we have no money. We had an old fuel oil furnace. It was a terrible furnace. 
where the church started was in a, an open field, a metal building, a garage building that we put up. And, I, and it's the only place in the whole Upper Peninsula where there's probably four miles of open field. And then the wind used to come through there, and it was an unbelievable winter, unbelievable. We, 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 ran, we ran out of fuel, the pipes froze up. Myself and Clayton Loveless, another man in the church, I remember this in detail, five gallons at a time, we went and got fuel oil from the local gas station. 22 times, 22 cans, we had, three, we had four cans, it ended up being 20, that's how much we were able to buy. 22 five-gallon cans, we made trips back and forth. We had an underground tank and we filled that up. We're trying to be a God-honoring church. We really don't have any money. Everybody's already sacrificing. I was making $75 a week. I wasn't smart enough to know that I could go out and raise support. I was just too stupid to do that. And so we just did it. And I just did whatever I could do. At any rate, we expected that fuel oil, uh, that 110 gallons of fuel oil, to be used up in about two weeks. And we'd still be cold during those two weeks. A week went by, and I went out, and we had a stick, and I put it down in that underground tank and pulled it back up. And with that much fuel oil on the, fuel oil on the stick, I thought, hmm, that's something. Man, we hardly burnt anything. I didn't tell anybody. Clayton says the next Sunday, he says, hey, how's the fuel oil doing? I'll check tomorrow. Went out and checked, put it back down, pulled it back up. Looked like it was the same place. Um, I, wasn't told, I was afraid to tell anybody. Because I knew, I know how that works. You know what? You tell somebody, hey, God's doing a miracle. And, and you have egg on your face, you know? So, um, and, and so I told Clayton. And Clayton said, nah. He said, uh, so we both went out there and looked. There's no tracks in the snow anywhere. I live right next door to the church. So, uh, and we're the only two buildings for three or four miles. So I, I can see. There. I mean, just nobody, nobody's coming. Another week went by. Another two weeks. Pretty soon it starts to ripple through our little congregation. Hey, God's doing something for Fundamental Baptist Church that is really kind of un, unheard of. And um, we came up with all kinds of things. You, you always want to explain away when God's at work. Like, um, there must be a leak in the tank, and water's getting in the tank. And I said to Clayton, well, Clayton, if that's a fact, then we got a miracle furnace because it's running on water, you know. <laughs> we thought people were sneaking up and putting, somebody was, no, not the case. Now, the next spring, we go out into the woods, we fall our own trees, we had our own little sawmill there at the Lamrose, and we cut our own thick and thin lumber, and we put an addition on that little building, that original building. In order to put that addition on, we had to move the tank. So we dig the tank up, and uh, before we lift the tank out of the ground, we get a pump, and we pump out two 55-gallon drums of fuel oil. Now, you may not believe this old sinner when he's telling you this story, but it's a fact. Never happened again, by the way. We had money the next year, apparently. But when we were in need, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. God may not make you a millionaire, and I doubt very seriously he will, but there is a reservoir of blessing and resources that is found only in God. God uses regular people and he's just looking for a conduit. You know, you can impact the world from Loomis Park Baptist Church. You can make all the difference. You can get missionaries on the field. You can help keep them on the field.
Now, like what you said earlier, Jerusalem's got to be taken care of, though. Don't forget Jerusalem. Be evangelistic. And God will bless you. My time is just about gone. There's much I want to share. But I get some more opportunities, so I'm going to cut it off right there. Homiletically, this has not been a good message tonight. But that's okay, because that's kind of how I preach at home. I think that might be a good sign. All right, you're listening real good, and I'm just going to treat you like your youpers. Is that okay? Some of you mess your hair up just a little bit. All right, that'll help. Maybe come without your false teeth, and tomorrow I'll feel, I'll feel right at home. And, um, God, stories to tell you. My mom and dad are part of Fundamental Baptist Church. What a privilege. What a privilege, man. All five of my kids. Well, one is married and gone up to the Keweenaw Peninsula. She actually went farther north, believe it or not. But the other four kids are there. Their families are there. Their kids are in the Christian school. I have gotten to pastor my dad, who has been the greatest member of Fundamental Baptist Church all of these years. Never has he tried to pull rank. Never has he overstepped his bounds. He is a genuine servant of God. I'm convinced. At the Bema Seat of Christ, he's going to get a whole lot of rewards, and so is my mom. And I'll tell you about my mom later on. Mom Raider. And I'm a mama's boy. And I love her. And she's losing her mind right now. She's got Alzheimer's, and she's getting more and more confused all the time, but they're there at every service. Well, what a privilege it is to be a pastor of a New Testament church. What a joy. And we get to preach. That's the best part of pastoring. In fact, by far, it's the best part of pastoring. Do you like counseling? Not that much. I hate counseling. Oh, man. I, 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 when I counsel people, I tell them, man, I'm not very wise. I, I want you to know that right now. And, well, I don't know what to tell you. Here's what the Bible says. <laughs> I thought, I, you know, I thought I'd heard it all. <laughs> I haven't. This morning was so bad. It was so bad. That's why I know God's going to bless this week. This Monday morning. Yesterday was great. It was wonderful. This morning, I was going to go in, do a little bit of office work, sign a few checks, check out the offering. I don't know who gives or that kind of thing, but I always look at the totals and how much is going to the missions. I checked that out before I left. And um, then I was going to pack my bags, just finish packing my bags, get in my car and head south and head to the sunshine, the glorious sunshine, and to the warm weather. This was one of the worst Monday mornings I can, I can recollect. Absolute. Man, it was Satan on attack from every direction. It's just, uh, it, thank the Lord. I, I was thanking him on the way down. God, at least there was no tragedies. God, I'm so grateful for that. Your hedge of protection. But I, wrecked, I realized on the way down, I, I know why everything was going wrong. I couldn't find my suitcase. My stinking son-in-law. Oh, when I get home. <laughs> I almost had to put my things in a paper bag. But I didn't. I found, I found a little. I, I, emptied, <laughs> I emptied out my wife's craft bag from her craft room. And I wasn't in a good spirit when I left. I emptied it out on the floor. I got to call her tonight and apologize. I said, man, I am ticked. What, what in the world's going I mean, nothing. That was the last straw. Nothing was going wrong. I found one bag that didn't have flowers on it. Man, that's the one, that's the one I got. I did not settle in my heart. I did not settle down emotionally until I got to Gaylord. And I got to Gaylord, and the sun was shining. I said, God, I'm such an idiot. And I, I did. I started to weep. I said, man... How can you use a guy like me? 
God can use you. Let's bow our heads. Father, would you bless us?